Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. Want to learn a new language? And who doesn't? Well, experience immersive lessons from the most trusted language app, Rosetta Stone. You know you keep telling yourself you want to learn a new language. The true accent feature even gives feedback on your pronunciation so you can speak the language like a native. Find lessons as short as 10 minutes, making it easy for you to learn anytime, anywhere. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to StarTalk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. StarTalk begins right now. This is StarTalk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, and today my comedic co-host is Chuck Nice. Chuck. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be here, Neil. How are you, man? I'm, I'm doing good, and you're still tweeting at Chuck Nice Comic. That's right, Chuck Nice Comic, so uh, follow me. Fo- and, and what will we get for that? Your impending doom. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know, we got a special show today. We got yeah. a special guest in studio, live, and if you don't recognize this man's voice, then just go home. In fact, I'm not even going to say his name because the voice should be sufficient. Welcome, sir. Oh, are you talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's, it's a very nice, uh, a very nice to be here with you and Chuck. Uh, I've always admired both of you. Chuck, s- smack him. Oh, <laughs> that is. Let me tell you about uh, our guest voice. His voice is so uh, unique and distinct. I do a lot of voiceover uh, auditions. And every time we get the breakdown for the audition, under the type, it says, looking for Morgan Freeman. <laughs> and then in visible parentheses, it says, cannot afford him. That's why we're asking you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> why didn't I know that? <laughs> so, Chuck, I didn't know. You, this this seems like you've been badly affected by these experiences. <laughs> no. First of all, to see that on uh, an audition is intimidating, mm-hmm. to say the least. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you put Morgan Freeman's name, this is what we're looking for, and then you send in the audition to me? I'm like, okay, thanks a lot. What you're telling me is I don't have the job, number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that sucks. <laughs> well, Morgan, you know, you're one of the most admired actors working today. You've received Academy Award nominations for Street Smart, Driving Miss Daisy, which I saw on Broadway, by the way. Shawshank Redemption, <laughs> which is a very watchable film. In fact, what, what was what, what was the station that had it like a Shawshank Redemption marathon? Yeah, you, to any time of day, there it is. They and ran it for 24 hours. It was to- it was completely there. And when, when criminals. 
we're gentlemen. <laughs> Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> it was Invictus. What a what a proud role that was playing uh, Nelson, Nelson Mandela. Mandela. And of course, with the our opening uh, our opening clip with you receiving the Academy Award for Million Dollar Baby and other popular films, Unforgiven, Glory, Seven, Deep Impact. One of my favorite films of all time. Deep Mine too. Impact. And the man was president. Our president, our first black president, Mr. Morgan Freeman. Second. Oh, really? Yeah. James Earl Jones was the first. Yes, he was in The Man. Exactly. That's right. That's right. Yeah, but there you go. That's right. true. I stand corrected. Yeah. But did an asteroid come during his presidency? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. no. So, so here we are saying nothing that disastrous will ever happen to a black president. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they. No, I'm not going to get. I was about to say the Tea Party. The tea party. <laughs> I was about to say that, that they didn't know the Tea Party back then. <laughs> they right? didn't know the the the, melt, the economic melt. Down. So Deep Impact, some of all fears, Bruce Almighty. Where he played God, no doubt. And then came back for return trip as God in Evan Almighty. And of course, Batman Begins, great film. I think it's still the best in the series, where you're the tech dude making up the... For Mr. Wayne. Mr. He's, the one, he's the scientist that puts together all the products for Mr. Wayne, Scient for Wayne Industries. Scientist yeah. engineer. Scientist engineer, engineer. Research and, and development. And yeah. of course, Bucket List. All this is a great portfolio to have here. But that's not why I have you on the show right now. No, it isn't. This is not why you have it me on the so show. It is so not. I got, why do you have Because... <laughs> <laughs> I want to focus on because this is like Star Talk, and Star as in cosmic star, not oh, Hollywood oh, wow, star. You got your own guy. <laughs> <laughs> so because you come in, you cut, you doing some science stuff out there. It's the Science Channel, you got a series going into its second season. It wasn't just good enough to do it once. You're doing it twice, and I'm told that you're going. It might even go a third time. No, not might. This is the third Already time. Oh, this is the third time going. Yeah. I, I'm, I was off by a year. Excuse yeah. me. And so it's the it's the show through the wormhole. And this is a different kind of science show because Chuck, as you've seen regular science shows, they interview folks and they talk right. about we discovered this yes. and here's a picture of that. Right. And I mean, with the exception of your shows and and Morgan, your show, I use science shows to go to sleep by. <laughs> okay. Normally, isn't that polite of him, Morgan? To say no, that no, 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 because I know what he's saying. Uh, if if it's good, he won't go to sleep. Right. <laughs> Will not. Science could be entertaining. Well, so in it, what I liked about it is that there's a dimension about it that goes beyond just here's the latest thing that we found and here's what it looks like. You're tackling very difficult, some unanswerable philosophical questions, metaphysical questions, bordering on religion. And so this, this is audacious, I think, for you to take on that role. That's a huge role to play. Mm. So let me ask you. How did an A-list, Oscar-winning movie actor come to be involved in a TV show doing science? Uh, gee, that's a long story. <laughs> okay, <laughs> 20 words or less. Laurie <laughs> uh, uh, McCreary. Laurie McCreary, two words. Two I words, Laurie McCreary. McCreary. We had a company called Clickstar, and we... Uh, this is your co-executive producer on this. This is yeah. my... Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've seen her name and credits and things, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And then she's my producing partner. And, uh -huh. and so uh, we had this, uh, this uh, um, company, and uh, in it, uh, through it, we were going to have different channels. Okay. You could have a prize fight channel, you could have a documentary channel, mm -hmm. and I was going to have like a science channel. I'm going to talk about outer space because I, I really like the subject. Uh, who doesn't? So somehow, I think uh, Discovery people learned about that, and Laurie can give you chapter and verse on it. 
but they thought it was a great idea. Mm-hmm. So why don't we can why don't we do that? Why don't we follow through on that? So here we are. Right, because it takes two sides of that equation: the person with the idea and the network. <clears throat> The that network right. person who says, good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so in one of your first shows, or was it the very first show, you asked whether there's a creator. And what I'm wondering is, why did you choose that as your first show? And were you influenced for having played God twice? Come on, you can't tell me that they're not correlated there. Okay, I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> um, we sit around a table and sort of, throw ideas around what what what's interesting to talk about what is out there what are people really curious about what mm-hmm. are we curious about uh and one of the ongoing questions is the creation uh theory of course mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yours. the big bang that's one okay you got more up your sleeve well you know that was that was uh uh, uh what do we call it um uh, intelligent design. Oh, okay. That's yes. the, the religious folks had that. ID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Little ID action. Yeah. 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 So you can't say no. You can't just out and out poo-poo it because in in the end, it's about what you believe. All right. Well, let's ch- we've got a clip. You have to accept that when you look up at the sky, you look on it's illusion. I got a clip from the show where you, where you talk about the perfect explosion, the Big Bang. Let's check it out. For Dr. Alan Guth, what happened during this early moment in time was an intriguing mystery that had to be solved. Figuring this out became his life's work. There had been in cosmology a serious problem in understanding the uniformity of the universe. It has the same intensity in every direction that we look uh, to one part in a hundred thousand. And that means that the Big Bang was unbelievably uniform. And that's hard to understand because conventional explosions just don't behave that way. So this is what a typical explosion might look like, and as you can see, it's anything but uniform. There are spots here and spots there and white spots in between. The early universe was nothing like what's on the canvas here. Alan needed something that would immediately smooth out all the hot, dense plasma that had just come into existence. I came across this idea of inflation, the idea that gravity can, under some circumstances, act repulsively uh, and produce a gigantic acceleration in the expansion of the universe, and that this could have happened in the very early universe. The key idea behind inflation is the possibility that at least a small patch of the early universe contained this peculiar kind of repulsive gravity material, and all you need is a tiny patch of that, and the Big Bang starts due to this repulsive gravity effect. Cosmic inflation takes place right after a pop from nothing into something. About one trillion trillion trillionth of a second afterwards, the force field takes all the highly compressed space created in that first singular moment, which is still almost infinitely small, and drives it out. A tiny fraction, the universe has doubled in size 100,000 times. With this smooth and orderly expansion, our universe was formed. This idea of inflation has now essentially become the standard version of cosmology. It makes a number of predictions which have been confirmed, so it agrees very well with what we see. Wow. The Big Bang. The Big Bang. Inflation, who knew that? So the early universe 
was a hell of a lot more expensive than the one we live in now. <laughs> in, in fact, this the, one's a bargain. The idea for inflation was advanced at a time when we had very high inflation in the United States under Jimmy Carter. <laughs> so that word had a, high, a lot of bit of currency at the time. Uh. <laughs> That's what it was. So, uh. right, so you didn't stop at the Big Bang. That's apparently... There was no big concept in physics that was not beyond your reach. because Because no. then you went on to talk about thermodynamics. This is a big, these are ideas. These aren't just objects you can show a picture of. Here's a pretty picture of Saturn and its moons. Thermodynamics. Big bang. Let's check out this next clip. Michio Kaku, a theoretical physicist at City College of New York, is fascinated with the big questions in science. Like whether the laws of physics require that all living things die. One of the iron laws of physics is the second law of thermodynamics, which says that everything rusts, everything decays, falls apart. We're all made out of atoms, and these atoms in turn obey the second law of thermodynamics. Anything and everything in the universe has the tendency to go from order disorder. And once the damage is done, it's extremely difficult to reverse things and unmix them. It's a process known as entropy. If I mix coffee, I realize that when I put cream into coffee, I increase entropy. I In fact, to see this milk jump out and reform in this cup is such a preposterous event that you would have to wait longer than the lifetime of the universe to see it happen. The second law of thermodynamics is an unremitting force. Nothing is immune to the power of entropy, not even the cells in our body. And that's why we age. In fact, that's why we die. But it turns out that there is a loophole to the law of entropy. There is a way to restore order from disorder. <laughs> we cut the clip there. I was going to say, <laughs> you left me hanging. <laughs> well, I haven't figured out how to actually do it yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like space travel. We know, we know it can be done. We right. just haven't figured out how. how. Uh, so, or that's how you la leave people to come back for the next episode. It's, gonna, it's the serial, uh, <laughs> science serial of what it is. We're coming up on our first commercial break, but when we return, we're going to talk about black holes and other cosmic phenomena that can mess with your mind, body, and soul. We'll be right back. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true.
I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Welcome back. Morgan Freeman in studio with this. Welcome to Star Talk. You know, you know it's interesting, Morgan, if you if, if you anything that comes out of your voice out, out of your mouth in your voice is just true. It's just true no matter what. And that's a really powerful situation to be in. I mean, I, I've heard that like you've been saying things, you had some ideas about the universe and you shared it with some scientists and they said Wait a minute, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> Maybe that might be true. So, did you realize what kind of responsibility you have? Um, not, no. No, okay, I'm <laughs> no, just saying. I, you know, I, well, like, I don't think of it as a responsibility. I mean, I, 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 I have access to these people, and with that access, uh, I'm, I'm back to my <laughs> high school days. I'm just asking, you know? Yeah, and, and you have a great lineup of guests that come yeah, on. Great of, lineup. Of scientists. Yeah. These are leading scientists. Yes. And earlier you and I spoke, and you said you had plenty of questions when you were a kid yeah. that just about the universe, physics-style yeah. questions. Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering if any of those questions have gurgled up, and now you're expressing those in your curiosity to make this show. Uh, almost uh, constantly. Oh, well, that's, there it is. Because yeah, I have, you know, if you sit down with a scientist, uh, particularly astrophysicist. And you're my people. Yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> my peeps. <laughs> your peoples. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh the, these these questions, they just are there. Like how, for instance, here's one for you. I'm ready for you. How, for instance, are we really going to get uh, human existence on a planet like Mars, where we don't have much uh, protection against solar energy? I have the answer to that. I bet you do. We have no idea. <laughs> That's my answer. Actually, no, no. The biggest, in the old days, it was we don't know how to do it. Today right. is we don't have the money. Really? Yeah, That's a very different barrier than what previously played. We the, have the money. We just won't spend, we won't spend it in the it right place. In, right. The, in the right place. Yeah, we should, be, we should be doing all kinds of research on space travel and space exploration. We should be doing that. We shouldn't be running around the world trying to control other people's lives. We don't need to have all of this doggone war material. You know, we spend more money on war material than anybody yeah. else in the entire world put together. Put together. I was about to say, not just to, but you put everybody else together, Meanwhile, and it doesn't approach the amount of money that we spend on war. The universe beckons in the middle of all that. And that's what I was going to say. The cool the thing is... The universe beckons. Yeah. What a great term. Write that down. Okay. <laughs> The universe. And you know what else beckons? beckons? Black holes. I want to play a segment from your show, Through the Wormhole, okay. where we talk about black holes. Because black holes and wormholes actually are related. Yeah. Let's check it out. In 1931, a Bell Telephone researcher, Carl Jansky, was testing a new system for sending radio messages across the Atlantic to Europe. He was plagued by background noise. 
After two years of careful work, Jansky stripped out most of the interference. But one strange signal never went away. It was loudest whenever his antenna was pointed at the constellation Sagittarius, at the very heart of the Milky Way. It was a signal unlike anything a star would make. Astronomers began to wonder whether it might come from an object theorists had predicted, but never detected. A black hole. But there was no way to find out. The center of our galaxy is hidden from view by a thick veil of dust. Then, 25 years ago, a German astronomer, Reinhard Genzel, found a way to see through the fog. Infrared light with its longer wavelength is perfect for penetrating the veil, but it's terrible at getting through the water vapor in Earth's atmosphere. So Reinhard Genzel headed for the highest, driest place on Earth, the Atacama Desert of Chile. Beginning in 1992, he and his team at the Max Planck Institute began what would become an enduring campaign to find out exactly what was causing the strange noise at the center of the Milky Way. Reinhardt had a hunch that a black hole could be acting as a colossal center of gravity, causing dozens of stars to whirl around it. As the years went by, a striking pattern emerged. Stars were moving, moving really fast. This was something that no astronomer had ever seen before. A dozen, then 20, then 30 stars, all swirling at breakneck speed around a central object that was completely dark and tremendously dense. Could this be the first proof that black holes existed? And if so, was there really one here? Right in the center of our own galaxy? So these are the stars of the show. Here at the very center here is the radio source, which we suspect is the location of the black hole. This is our best star, which we have followed uh, for 15 years to trace a full orbit. This star, known only by the name S2, was moving at a phenomenal rate. At its closest approach to the dark central object, Reinhardt and his team clocked it moving at 11 million miles per hour. What we learned from this is that indeed there's only one central mass right there at the position of the, the radio source, and that has four million solar masses. There cannot really be any believable configuration which we know of other than the black hole. Don't mess with black holes. No, no, you can, lots of bad things can happen. <laughs> That's you right. know. Well, we're not absolutely certain that the end result is bad. Really? Well, as Neil said before, there may be a correlation between black holes and wormholes. And the wormhole. In yeah. fact, if he's the man is right, Chuck, I thought you would have known this. I mean, no, I really, and I, you know, I know a lot about black holes, but not from a science <laughs> standpoint. <laughs> you watch yourself. <laughs> black holes. Oh, holes. Holes. Oh, okay. Yes, okay. So, here's a go. If you have a rotating black hole, and you go in at a particular trajectory, it actually opens up to another universe that is not ours. Really? Yes, it does. It's, it's, a, it's a spooky... It's, the mathematics of Einstein's equations demonstrate this. Okay. But not only that, here's something that... What uh, if you go in at the wrong trajectory? Uh, you'll be stretched... stretched out of shape. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Turkish taffy. The tidal forces where the gravity is stronger at your feet than at your head will accelerate your feet 
faster than your head towards the center of that abyss. And as that happens, your body will stretch relentlessly. The first few moments, it'll feel good. Well, who doesn't want a good stretch in yeah. the morning? But there comes a point where it doesn't stop, and the tidal forces exceed the intermolecular forces that bond your flesh. Did you say it, that in English? And, <laughs> you, and you snap in two, likely at the base of your spine. And then those other two, those two parts of you will continue. They'll feel these same forces, and they will snap in two. And everything will bif bifurcate all So I just keep down. snapping in two until... And that's not even the worst part. Uh, you'll be... If Funnel down to the point, and the fabric of space and time will narrow you from shoulder to shoulder as you get elongated. So we have a word for this. The act Ouch. Out of time. Is that the word? <laughs> for the act of dying while you fall into a black hole in this particular way is called spaghettification. Spaghettification. In case you didn't. Morgan, I didn't know if you didn't know that. I, I want to invent know. a new product, a pasta I, product. I, you know, and this, you, you, you draw little Sp eyes and mouths, you know. Spaghettificationos. <laughs> you can have that for dinner. Your kids can have that. Now, here's something interesting. This, this, These are not the black holes that we had traditionally learned about, which are the endpoints of a star's life. These black holes are the centers of galaxies, and they have millions of times the mass of the sun. Now, here's what's interesting. We had discovered black holes in other galaxies before we found one in ours. Our nearby Andromeda galaxy, its black hole has a million times the solar mass. In our own, it's only maybe about half a million. Okay. So the people that have, like, black hole envy here, because our black hole is not as big as that of what you find in the centers of other galaxies. Wow. And so, uh, you know, it's... it's well, something, something I'm well familiar with. <laughs> what? All right, so now you've opened up another can of worms. Okay. Here. What's that? What's that? Colliding galaxies. Ooh. We're on a collision course with the Andromeda galaxy. Okay. And, and, and black holes. And no one told me this? You didn't... <laughs> We're, Chuck, we're speeding toward towards our own peril, and no one... Not, not ours. Oh, no. No, no, you don't have to Chuck, worry about it. Chuck, I should have told you. I don't think you and I got to... We ain't got to worry about it. We've got to take a quick break, but more Star Talk when we return. Welcome back. I've got Chuck Nice and Morgan Freeman with me in studio. Yes. And Very cool. I'm here because the man is doing science on TV. Yes. On, on Discovery Channel's Science Channel. The Science Channel. The Science Channel. It comes on Wednesday nights. Every Wednesday night, check your local listings. It's there. You can find the man serving up the universe. Through the wormhole. Through the wormhole. <laughs> Through the wormhole. In the last segment, we left off talking about black holes. And Chuck, first, you didn't know that we have black hole envy compared to other galaxies. Yes. You didn't know that a rotating black hole, we could go into another universe. And at the right trajectory, pop out, bang, uh, here you go. You're in another universe. And uh, if you fall directly into a universe, you'll die. And that we have a collision course with... The uh, Andromeda Galaxy, and that was the most disturbing of all the things. Morgan I've knew this. On this I'm show. disappointed. You didn't. I thought this was everybody knew this. Well, you know, see, the thing is, Morgan does a show on the Science Channel called Through the Wormhole. Chuck Nice does a show on True TV called World's Dumbest. <laughs> okay. So I'm pretty sure we see how this is working out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> so other subjects on Through the Wormhole, you know, nothing is outside of your reach there. You did a, a, a show on dark matter and dark energy. Mm-hmm. Now, had I done that show, I'm telling you, it would have been maybe 30 seconds long because dark matter, which is 85% of the gravity of the universe, and dark energy, which makes us accelerate against the wishes of gravity, we have no clue what either of them is. Right. And that would have been the end of my show. Well, now, you made a whole show out of it. I don't know how. <laughs> you know, you, I think you, you just talk to enough people who say we don't know. <laughs> That's it. That's a damn good. Well, point. what do you think? Well, uh, I don't. What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? You know? <laughs> Matilda, what do you, have you thought about this? Yeah. So, there's a, what's great about the show is that you're going to the places where we don't know. And that's a different kind of science program on television than most science documentaries, which are focusing on what we do know. And that, that, that makes people think. Yeah, and, and you know, these shows, uh, we're highlighting scientists who like to think about these things. And, you, and it shows, because they're, they're, they're they, they speak with glee yeah. when the microphone's right. in front of them. Say, say. And what are you doing? Oh, uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> That's because nobody ever asks them. <laughs> Right. You put your show in front of them, they're, they're like, they're, they become like an 11 star. year old schoolgirl. Yeah, yeah. And so, not only that, the, oh, just another couple of things, just because I feel compelled as like science educator here. So, dark matter, we've known about it since 1936. Really? It is the longest standing mystery in astrophysics. Okay. Where objects move according to gravity, whose source of gravity we haven't, we've never seen. Now, Neil. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. What? Dark matter and dark energy. Yeah. Dark matter first. First. That's what we discovered first. You can't see it. Can't see it. Can't smell it. Can't smell it. Can't taste can't it. Can't taste it. Uh, what gives us the absolute certainty that it's there? We see its effect on other things. Hmm. There it is. Well, give, me a, give, me a, give me a for instance. Uh, for instance, do you know the movie Rebecca? <laughs> no, I don't. I, sir, what is, it, no. Was a, it was a best-selling... Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, Rebecca, Rebecca, and it was made by Alfred Hitchcock. Okay. In this movie, Rebecca never shows up because she's dead. And the yet the title of the movie is Rebecca. You learn about Rebecca from what the butler says, her her fiance or her her her, her, her widow, yeah, her okay. friends. You, know, you retrospect you, all of these. Her influence on others reveals itself in the unfolding of that plot, and Rebecca becomes the star of the show. And so dark matter is like Rebecca. You see planets move in a way they're not supposed to. You see galaxies rotate in ways unexpected. And you say something is making this happen, even though I can't see it, smell it, taste it, touch it. It is its influence on all that are, that surrounds it. And it's its gravitational influence. And that's what we call dark matter. Okay. We don't know. We don't even know if it's matter. Okay. I was going to say, because to me, that sounds a lot like Santa Claus. We could, we could call it Ted. <laughs> we, we can call it Freddy. We, we don't know what it is. All right. Okay? So, so now that gives me a clue about dark matter. What about dark energy? It seems to me that this one and the same. We, now we see the universe is supposed to be coming back on itself from the collective gravity of all the galaxies, but it's not. It's accelerating according to this term that showed up in a, an equation that Einstein wrote down in 1916. 1917, actually. And we don't even, we don't know what's, what the, what the, so physical basically mechanism what is. you're saying is the universe would be like a soapbox derby car. It should be speeding up, but it's, I mean, it should be, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. It should be, it slowing, should be down. slowing down. But really, 
is speeding up. That's well, the first analogy I've ever heard of the universe to soapbox derbies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we got to move on. So the show also talks about the search for life in the universe and are we alone? This is a perennial topic. We've got a clip. Let's see what you say about it. In 1948, mathematician John von Neumann imagined a machine so intelligent it could make copies of itself. Each copy would improve on the previous model, much as nature continually improves on its designs. But this machine's evolution would take place much faster than biological evolution. Today, von Neumann machines exist in crude forms. On a planet more advanced than our own, could they be the most intelligent life form, the dominant life form? Will our first contact be with a race of super-intelligent machines? You're only going to hear from a species that's at least as clever as we are. So what are the odds that they're within 50 or 100 years of our level of development? Pretty slim. They're likely to be thousands, millions, maybe even more, years ahead of us. So if you think about that for a moment, you recognize that if we do find a signal, the odds are pretty good that that signal is coming from artificial intelligence, not some soft, squishy little gray guy with big eyeballs. On some distant planet, the Book of Life may no longer contain any biological forms. And if mechanical life has enough power, there is no limit to how large or complex it can become. Or maybe they've reorganized themselves so that they can share the thinking load amongst many members of the species, like distributed processing with computers. I mean, why should the aliens be content to be stuck with a kind of intelligence that can fit inside their heads? Alien evolution could produce a living machine planet throbbing with the combined intelligence of billions of alien minds. If such advanced life exists, how would we spot it? And should we even want to? Will aliens welcome us as friends or view us as threats or perhaps see Earth as a world to conquer? We wonder what aliens look like, but what do we look like to them? This woman has put herself inside their heads and she believes she has the answer. What's the answer? <laughs> Why do we keep cutting off these clips and we, 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 we're left hanging on the answer? I believe the answer is there are already, there are already intelligent machine-like aliens. Uh, they are called Transformers, oh. and their uh, leader is Optimus Prime. Yeah, the truck, that was a movie. <laughs> I've made my choice in beliefs. I'm sticking so to it. So, Morgan. Yes, the, Neil. Uh, first of all, for, for <laughs> what start, did you say this guy's name? Uh, no, yeah, Chuck Nice. We just just humor him while he, while he's here. We fine, fine. <laughs> we for those Star Talk fans out there, actually, the, the voices you heard, which were not identified in that clip, it was Seth Shostak, who is an active member of this uh, search for extraterrestrial intelligence. He was a guest on Star Talk Radio back in our episode called "Are We Alone?" Mm -hmm. And also, Michio Kaku made several appearances on your show, and he's a good friend of ours. Yes. In fact, he lives just up the street. Mm -hmm. So let's get back to this bit about aliens and what kind of t intelligence they would have. One of my great concerns is we always think that they're the same, approximately the same intelligence as we are, intelligence as we are, so that we can have a conversation. Is there any species less intelligent than we that we can have a conversation with? I don't think so. I believe less you two have been doing that all show. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Morgan, I you mean, a philosophical, philosophical, yeah, yeah, or yeah, exactly. Not just here's food, eat it. 
Um, Are you worried when the aliens come that they might enslave us? No, I'm not worried about it at all. Why? Uh, Because... Hawking's worried about it. Well, Hawking's in a chair. Okay, I don't know what I'm supposed to make of that. Oh, he can't run? He can't turn around and run? Is that what you're... Can't shoot a gun. (laughs) Okay. All right, now, you know what? I did like you, Morgan (laughs) Freeman, until that comment right there, because I didn't think of it, and that was the funniest thing said on show. (laughs) I don't don't think, personally, that we need fear the universe. Right. You know, yea, though I walk through the valley... I feel no evil, but okay. I'm the baddest thing in this world. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> that should be fair in me. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so when the aliens come, we will put you forward. Well, you know, listen, we don't go out there with, you know, the, the yo. He's, he's doing, let the record like show. He, he's know. doing the Vulcan sign, yeah. live long mm-hmm. and prosper. How do you know that's not go, you know, F off? Well, because. To an alien. As long as you've got an open hand, I think it's universal that, uh, yo, I'm, you know, I don't mean you any harm. We've got to take a quick break, but more Star Talk when we return. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. This is Star Talk Radio. Welcome back. I just want to clear out the alien part of our discussion before the break. The aliens, if they come and you're going to like say hi to them, and you think they're going to be nice? No, I don't know what they're going to be, but I don't. I'm not going to imagine that they're going to be uh, hostile. Hmm. Okay. It's just as easy to imagine that they're going to be beneficent, that they're going to be okay. just people out exploring like we would do. Okay, but our first explorers were not beneficent were they huh they were like totally tearing up the places they I mean, oh you mean the explorers here on earth on earth like, yeah yeah yeah, well, uh, yeah, yeah. I, the polynesians did a lot of explorations i don't know if they killed everybody they met that's true that's true well they have to be just northern europeans that's well those, those, you know <laughs> people with hot blood hot blood yeah. hot blood so this segment i want to talk about the end yeah the end of the universe the end of life you know the universe is just going to expand Forever. Says who? Forever. The data say that. That's what I'm saying. The data said that we knew all of the uh, all of the matter. We had already mapped the universe and we knew what all the matter was until the advent of the Hubble telescope. I think, and all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute, we were wrong. You, I think you want to be wishful that the universe goes through cycles. Is that I feel that. I don't want to be wishful, that, but I think that's a, that's a usable it, it could it, it could have worked. It's just not. All the data don't show that. Because if we expand forever, we continue to get cold. And the temperature of the universe, which is now three degrees Kelvin, will approach zero degrees. And hmm. closer and closer, and all physical processes in the universe will wind down. 
And as it winds hold, down, now, now, there'll be no on. life, hold no stars. Hold on. You're holding forth here with some stuff that doesn't sound right to me. For instance, <laughs> okay. all of these stars, they're burning hot. Yes. I don't care where they go. They're still going to burn hot. No, they run out of fuel, and one day they stop burning. No, 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 no. They're being born every day. They're yeah, but, being born but the, every day. And then they're being born out of gas that is not in the star. And one day you run out of gas. So the last set of stars that made out of the last set of gas, when they burn out, that's all she wrote. And the stars will burn out one by one in the night sky. And what started out as a starry night will become an abyss of darkness. How many years? Have got? a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> we got a clip from th- That was the best bedtime story ever. <laughs> Let's check out what Morgan Freeman and his folks say about the end of the world and what is death. Go. Is death the end? Eternal silence, blackness, nothingness. Or is there a spark inside of us that lives on beyond our physical selves? Philosophers and scientists have puzzled over that question for thousands of years. It's the great mystery. One that sooner or later, we all have to face. One morning when I was six years old, my grandmother didn't wake up. Then or ever again. It was my first experience with death. How could she be here yesterday, but gone today? Was she gone forever? Or did some essential part of her live on? Christians and Muslims believe in a heaven for the just and a hell for sinners. Other religions see death as a transition to an existence on a higher plane or to another life here on earth. All of these beliefs have one thing in common. The body is just a vessel for the soul and the soul is eternal. This is something many believe in their hearts. But is there a way to prove it? or disprove it scientifically. Damn, left it hanging again. <laughs> That's the answer. Seems to be a theme. <clears throat> so, Morgan, you, there's no... He's doing. <laughs> so, yeah, we did clip that for this show. So, Morgan, there's no topic under under any rock that you don't overturn in this show. Well... Because you're bringing philosophers in, into this. Yeah, uh, any philosopher who's willing to talk about a subject, we ask them about so it. So, yeah. are you deep down a philosopher? Is that what you, you really uh, are? You are, are you a philosopher, dude? Can I put it this way? How? Philosophically curious. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Not a philosopher, but philosophically curious. I went through that stage in college. <laughs> you went to college? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just asking. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's a that's a diss if I ever heard no, one. No, yeah, I'm just asking. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Well, I did for about, about twenty minutes. Right. Yeah. Oh, oh, I yeah. went. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the end of the universe will will it's it'll it's this long, slow, eternal approach to absolute zero, where all processes will stop and all particles will decay. And some people are unsettled by that. But I actually find that thrilling because that won't happen for a gazillion years into the future. It's a very long, slow death. So now, what, if what you're, you're saying, Neil, it's just not, it's not, we don't, have, there's no hope. 
Hope for what? Hope for eternal. Here's life. my hope. Here's my hope. We, as long as there's a universe, we can we can expect to be in it somewhere. But Except if, if the you're pr- telling me there's not going to be one, I might as well go out and stand in front of a bus now. No, because <laughs> <laughs> here here's what you do. Okay, when I die, I don't want to be cremated because all of the calorie content of my body, which I have dined upon flora and fauna throughout my life, when I am buried, the energy content will be returned to the flora and fauna that gave of themselves for there my nourishment. There is life everlasting. And that, that is really life everlasting. And that is the energy being passed back to the universe in, a, pro- in a productive way. death. Until the universe winds down to its inevitable demise where it becomes a black nothingness. And by then, the sun would have burnt out, our galaxy would have collided with the Andromeda galaxy, and all the stars would have been burnt out in the universe. All right, all right, all right. We got to bring this show to a close, but I want to thank my guests. And as always, I bid you to keep looking up. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.